Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. This show is written, produced, and is broadcasting live from Hu Chin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as the Bay Area. When police violence takes the life of a loved one, there is, of course, anger, sadness, depression, and longing for the lives lost. Then there is the fight for justice. But what happens as the years pass? How do families move forward? On tonight's show, we'll speak with four families and learn about their particular cases and what they have done to seek justice and to heal and to move forward in life, all while honoring the life of their child that was taken from them. That's tonight on Full Circle. I'm your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. Stay tuned. All right, everyone. Good evening. And again, welcome to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley and, of course, KPFA.org. And before we get started with our show, I'd like to speak on behalf of the Full Circle crew and let you, our listeners, our supporters, um, thank you for the kind donations you made during this summer fun drive. This show, Full Circle, is the final phase of the KPFA, <clears throat> excuse me, KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program. It's an 18-month training program helping to bring in women and people of color into media and broadcasting. When you make those donations during our show, it says that you not only support KPFA, but you support us, this unique training program as well. So again, on behalf of the First Voice crew, we thank you. And lastly, if you are interested in becoming a KPFA First Voice Apprentice, please visit our website at kpfaapprentice.org. There you can fill out and submit an application for our next group of apprentices. That will be Group 46 coming in the fall of 2019. So now let's get on with the show. And I'll start with a little statistic here. According to the website Mapping Police Violence, Police killed 1,164 people in 2018. Of course, the actual number will be higher as it is hard to track these cases when analysis relies on police and media reports. Obviously, accountability is also a problem as most years, nearly 99% of all cases have not resulted in any criminal charges against any officers. Tonight, we will be sharing personal stories from families that had lost their loved ones to police violence. As we share these personal stories, we will move through the emotions, the struggles they deal with, the pain, the anger, the heartache. But we will move forward on to the fight for justice. Justice for us in our particular individual cases and justice for those to come in the form of new laws and legislation that arise out of these cases. 
So join us as we move from tragedy to triumph tonight. And I got some guests here. I'm going to start by going around the room and letting folks know about our particular cases. Um, Let's just go around the room and introduce yourselves and just give us a brief outline and what happened in your particular cases. We'll start over here with uh, Rick Perez to my right. Welcome back to KBFA, Rick. Just for those that don't know exactly what happened to PD, just kind of give the thumbnail sketch of um, where and when and what happened. Oh, yeah. My son, um, on September 14th, 2014, um, was killed by the Richmond Police Department. I should use the right word. was murdered by the Richmond Police Department. Um, He was... um, he had been drinking that night. Um, he was walking. He was um, at the liquor store uh, a block and a half from my workyard. And he was just hanging out with some of his friends, having a good time. And um, apparently um, too good of a time. And he was with his friends. They um, had they were around the corner from our, our yard at this guy's house drinking and then they walked up to the store to get some more they didn't need it but anyway uh the store owner there uh knew my son and he um told them no he couldn't have no more get on you know go home and all that and it all was good and um this cop pulls up on the scene and he, he just uh totally escalated the situation next thing you know um i think within um 30 seconds of the cop showing up, my son was, uh, the shot spotter goes off and my son was killed. So, um, it's, it was classic form of a cop just escalating the situation out of control over a, a intoxicated person. So, all right. Um, thank you, Rick. We're going to come back and talk more about, um, everyone's case, but let's continue on and talk to Sandra Talbert right next to me. Sandra, get up on close to that mic and, um, you're probably the most recent out of the group here tonight. So tell us what happened to your son, Terry Amons Jr., um, the where and what and when. Okay, my son um, was assassinated by the Pittsburgh police January 18th, I mean, January 12th, 2018. Um, he went to Nation Burgers over there in Pittsburgh, and he used to go there to buy hamburgers and stuff, but... It didn't happen that way. He ended up, the police ended up killing him there, and they really assassinated him. They shot my son in the heart three times in the back and shot his car up four times. And they honestly killed my child because my child wasn't into nothing. Somebody called up and said that he was doing some drugs transaction, which was a lie because my son worked. He worked at 3 o'clock in the morning until, like, one thirty. Um, PM. So there's no way that he um, he was doing that. But then, anyway, the police killed him, and then they trying to say it was justified, but it wasn't. I've been protesting ever since, and I'm gonna continue protesting. And you're welcome to come and join me. And uh, later, we'll give out some information on how you could stay um, in touch with Sandra and follow um, the actions that she's been having. Um, just about every month, we've been doing something with Sandra. Yes. All right, so um, we'll move on to Danica Chapman and your son, Kevin Harding Jr. Kenneth. Kenneth Harding Jr. That was out in San Francisco, I believe. So for those that don't know exactly what happened, just give us the brief outline on how we lost 
Kenneth. My son, um, Kenneth Harding Jr., was murdered by San Francisco Police Department on July 16, 2011. And he was on the transit and was fair inspected and they removed him from the transit and he ran and he was running with his hands up and he had his cell phone in his hand and they said it was a gun and they came at him in three different angles and shot him up and made him lay on the ground for over 28 minutes to bleed out and die and denied him medical attention or anything else and his murder is on YouTube so and world star hip hop so if you don't believe me you can watch it and make your own informed decision and I think that's a, a common occurrence um, I know Sandra we watched that that horrible video numerous times the other day with um, District Attorney Becton and um, Rick you, yours is also caught on some videos so um, we could possibly post them links tonight. I didn't do it yet, but uh, I didn't really want to post them up there. But I could do that so people could judge for themselves, you know, and see um, if they believe that this was justified. And can I say to Rick, we have uh, supported the Kenneth Harding Jr. Foundation has uh, supported PD's movement ever since his murder occurred um, just because we walked before you did and we do so much for the community within uh, Bayview's Hunter Point. So. I just wanted you to know that. I, uh, <clears throat> I like I always say to everybody, we all belong to a club nobody wants to belong we to. We are one, yes. And um, it's horrible, but um, I've actually met a lot of nice people that, through this stuff, and uh, we all got one common goal, and that's uh, holding police accountable. Amen. So um, I'm, I feel like I'm safe to assume, but I don't want to always assume, but... Um, were any of the police charged in anybody's case, Rick? Um, no, we. I like. I believe all of us are getting civil charges, but the district attorneys neglect to uh, no to, criminal charges. No criminal charges ever. Sandra, no, no, no. no. Well, in my case, uh, actually, everybody who was involved with it went down, but that was to their own making. It has nothing to do with my son. As a matter of fact. Um, San Francisco specifically gave one of the officers a Medal of Valor for murdering my son for the murder of Kenneth Harding. And that officer is currently serving time, Matthew Hastings, in San Quentin. Um, he was caught in Contra Costa County with a 15-year-old boy. And um, he's serving time for his accounts with his obsession with eight-year-old boys so they took him down for that but not my son so we are lacking in the um the charges of the crime of murder or homicide mans whatever you want to call it it's not happening well let's just continue going around the room um how did that leave you personally feeling because i know uh yeah, well, I I don't know because, like you said, you guys are in the club that no one wants to be in, and unless you're in it, you really don't know the pain. But kind of take us through the range of emotions you went through, you know, after finding out that it happened, um, and the fight for justice, and then the denial of justice served. How'd that leave you feeling, Rick? Empty as all can be, you know. Um, the feeling um, it changes all the time, but it never goes away. It, sometimes you. You know, even I get tears in my eyes all the time. Uh, hardest part for me is to watch my wife cry every every night, and 
and it's every night. Not just once in a while, it's every night. Last night, she was crying. Um, so, you know, I, um, I go out to all these functions with um, all these different groups now, and, um, and we are making some progress. And again, uh, back to my wife, she gets mad at me for never being home because I'm always out doing, trying to find justice all the time. And uh, but then again, at the same time, she's proud of me for um, seeking justice. And and we are uh, making some baby steps in the right direction, but we still got a long ways to go. What would um, justice in your particular case look like for you? Well, you know, um, you go out and you, this happens to you. And I wouldn't wish this on anybody, not even a police officer. And um, and you um, you get a lawyer, and you think, oh, good, I'm going to get some justice. It ends up, you know, and I should know better because I'm somewhat educated. Um, it's just a civil suit, and it's, there's no criminal charges coming here. And the only one that can do that would, in our case, would be Diana Beckton, the Contra Costa County District Attorney. And um, and it's like a conflict of interest there. They um, they got to work with these police officers, and they don't want to um, to do anything to jeopardize that relationship they have. Yet um, we never get our charges. You know, they're they're here to protect and serve, but it seems to me the only thing they're protecting is their um, their personal pride and their own you know own interests. And um, and like all these uh, civil cases, they always settle without admitting any guilt. And the police just get off scot free, and the and the city pays for it. City pays for it. And Sandra, um, talk about how this has left you feeling. And then uh, we met with Deanna, uh, Diana Beckton the other day, and she kind of gave us the same spiel that um, she don't think a jury of twelve people is going to convict an officer on what she has seen in the evidence, and just kind of said, "Thank you. I'm sorry about your loss. My condolences." Have a nice day, basically. So, yeah. how does that um, leave you feeling? And what well, would you think justice would look like? In what justice case? would look like to me if I can lock that police up and put homicide on him because he actually assassinated my son. And but I know this is not going to happen. But I know God handle everything. You know, I can't never say that it won't happen. I never will. I will be protesting the rest of my life until I get some kind of justice for my child. Because they really made me feel uncomfortable anyway because I had to go re-watch the video. That brought up a lot of hurt for me. And after that, I've been crying like every other day because that's not nothing nice for a mother to have to see her child get killed like that. And it's justifiable. But it's not to me. Yeah. That's how I feel. And Danica... um Talk about the ranges of emotions you went through after it happened and your fight for justice, um, the denial of justice. You know, how does that leave you feeling? Well, let me just say this. There's no justice. There's only just us. Let's just be clear about that. And the fight for just us continues. Um, the range of emotion in your emotions is just it's a day-to-day battle and I just advise that you seek help because you can't do it on your own and until you begin to seek help can you begin to move forward in life your 
held captive to your feelings because you're stuck trying to figure out and understand why. And that's one of the hardest and longest parts about grief is that you're constantly trying to go back to who you were, but you're not that person. Um, a piece of you died with your child, so you can never go back to who you are. You have to understand who you are now in order for you to truly move forward. And, and Sandra? I like to say um, what you're saying is so true, um, but what I did, I gave my heart to God, and I asked him to heal me. So I don't feel like I'm doing the wrong thing. I feel like if I keep fighting for my son, just like them other police got locked up, this one might get locked up. I'm not putting myself there. I feel like it is a chance. Oh, no, I wasn't saying anything like that because I was out there on the front lines for over five years until I broke my ankle and God actually sat me down and I ended up having to have five surgeries just to mm. be able to walk again. Mm. I trampled up and down these highways from the Bay to L.A. and uniting black and brown and, you know, linking arms with other mothers. Mm. And, you know, we did this. We broke barriers as a... Uh, uh, foundation. Mm -hmm. However, I was talking about like grief counseling and seeking, you know, further help. Yeah, I felt like I got more from the altar than I did from counseling, but I'm still in counseling, mm -hmm. you know, and my son was murdered in 2011. So mm -hmm. I was just saying that I would advise that, you know, you don't try to do it on your own, you know, That's that right. you seek further help because mm -hmm. it's needed it is to yeah. try to move on from such yeah. a tragedy yeah there's um professionals out there that specialize in you know walking people through emotions and grief helping them yeah. grieve properly and move forward rick did you want to say um, something yeah um i often call doing um things like we're doing today uh this is my therapy this is um mm -hmm. you know speaking about it out loud to the and i'm grateful that a lot of people are, are hearing us right now and and getting the our truth and it's just really a crying shame that the the law and the truth are two different things mm. definitely definitely mm -hmm. well uh that was the voice of rick perez father of pd perez and we're speaking tonight um with uh family members who lost their loved ones to police violence also um, right to the left of me here is miss sandra talbert um, the mother of Terry Amons Jr. And then a little further over to the left is Danica Chapman and her son, Kenneth Harding Jr. Um, thank you for sharing that, you know, your emotions, your um, fight for justice. We're going to take a short music break. And when we return, we're going to talk about like what you actually did to um, continue this therapy and to move on and to seek justice. So we'll be right back. Fired up, they're disappointed, they're frustrated, they're angry, not just at the grand jury's report, but they want justice for their family members, their friends, people here in the Bay Area who have been shot and killed by the police. All of this is bringing back really painful memories for them, so that's why they're out here calling for justice.
it'll be an issue. Pictures had circulated, brother laying in a pool of blood. It's soon to be another thug, criminal or animal. No respect as a human, protect the service. A joke, rest in peace, Robert Williams. Good morning, Ferguson. Look more like Gaza. Military weaponry tanks and helicopters. An eight year old child should be drinking milk, not using it to ease the sting of tear gas to fill his eyes up. Wise up every 28 hours. Mike Brown, Sean Bell, I'm a newbie. Yalos and Oscars. Alan Bluffers, rest in peace. Cold game in these streets. Police with no remorse, abuse of power, excessive force. Ten shots all overboard. I can see it in the course. Oh, he must have posed a threat. He a robbery suspect. Does that justify his death? Being young, black, walking up the boulevard. A petty theft for a pack of cigars. They going too far. They going too far. Killing our brothers in the name of the law. Uh, they going too far. They going too far. Judging my color, they don't see who we are. From Oakland to Ferguson to New York to Palestine. They trying to take us to war. They going too far, they going too far, we ain't gonna take it no more, no. Many ask, where's the protests and marches when a brother kill another? That may be a valid argument. So much stacked against us is the system, racism, capitalism, poverty, breakdown of the family, enough to cause insanity. Till we show some unity, there will be no victory, huh? And that's the beauty of the people doing their duty, coming together. First Amendment Constitution gives the right of assembly. Got cops intimidating, instigating peaceful protests. All we want is justice, arrests, and convictions. Hold these cops accountable, we men, not menaces. The color of our skin presumed guilt before. Innocent hands up in position of submission. These policemen are they trained to arrest or carry out executions? Huh? I'm haunted by the ghost of Huey Newton trying to organize my people, find solutions because they're going too far. They're going too far, they're going too far. Killing our brothers in the name of the law. Uh, they're going too far, they're going too far. Judging my color, they don't see who we are. From Oakland to Ferguson to New York to Palestine, they're trying to take us to war. Guantanamo, Detroit, Los Angeles, London, Switzerland, Chi-Town, New Orleans, St. Louis, Paris, France, Nigeria, South Africa, Pakistan, Iran, China, India, Libya, Egypt, everywhere you All right, everyone, welcome back. You are listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM. Um, KPFA or KPFA.org. That was Oakland-based artist Kev Choice with You're Gone Too Far. 
And tonight's show is Tragedy to Triumph. We are speaking with uh, two moms and a dad. All three of these folks have lost their sons at the hands or at the guns of the police. Just moments ago, earlier, we heard about their individual cases, basically the who, what, and where. Also, about the range of emotions they went through in their fight for justice. But right now, we're going to move on to what we have done after these terrible tragedies. Um, Where have these families focused their energy now, and what has been done since the loss of their sons? Um, Some focus has been on changing laws and operating procedures. Um, That will make the killing of our people less easy to get away with. Or to pull back even the curtain, if you will, on some of the past offenses of these officers that kill um, with SB 1421, the Right to Know Act. Um, Another focus has been uplifting and service to the community. Um, Let's start with Danica because I know you have dramatically changed your direction in life as far as I can tell from uh, Facebook (laughs) and following you on Facebook. Thank you. Um, Tell us what you've been doing these past years, like pursuing your higher education and moving on like in that way and what your plans are to do with that education. Well, first of all, what I did was I used my pain and... I was initially, we had uh, formed Kenny's Foundation in San Francisco and through the foundation and um, just volunteers as well as the Bayview newspaper and the food bank, um, a lot of community members came together to help support us so that we could continue to feed and clothe the community. We have been doing it for over five years. And within there, you know, I found that I wanted to do more than just feed and clothe my community. I wanted to be of more service to them. And through that, I have found myself, you know, returning to school. I just graduated from the College of Marin in uh, May. I ended up receiving two AA degrees, um, one for communications transfer and um, multimedia services, film and TV. And the other one is uh, liberal arts. And that was with the focus on social sciences. And so I had not a clue that I could even do this. I thought that I was too old. Um, I didn't think I was smart enough. I thought that this was just my life, you know, and I tried and it worked and I kept trying and it continued to work. And I ended up graduating with honors on the dean's list and receiving a two-year state scholarship, which I started at Sonoma State on the 20th. Um, And I have 85 of the 120 credits I need to receive my bachelor's degree. So I'm going to receive that in liberal arts. And I want to do more like... um, drug counseling, um, 
just more to help my community as well as keeping a foundation going. Um, we're having a clothing drive. My daughter, my 12-year-old daughter, is having a clothing drive through the foundation um, at Kenny's Corner in Bayview Hunters Point, you know, where the ground is still stained with his blood at um, the plaza on 3rd in Oakdale. We're going to be having a clothing drive on the 18th as well as we're starting the community feedback the third Sunday of every month. And I'd just like to thank all the volunteers and everyone who has been donating so far. I appreciate your help and it is very much valued because we are truly community supported. Thank you. And um, we will share where people could find out that information, I believe. Um, can you just throw out the Facebook or where people could get right now? So um, can... You can go to my Facebook page, Danica Chapman, or Justice, the number four, Kenneth Harding Jr. So, And uh, we will link all these um, Facebooks and websites on our page, which is kpfaapprentice.org. And that will happen about 30 minutes after the show. So you can check that out. All the links will be there and you can keep up to date. Um, with what's going on. So um, before we go back to Rick and Sandra here, I believe we have Uncle Bobby on the line. And we want to welcome Uncle Bobby back to Full Circle. As um, most KPFA listeners will know, Uncle Bobby is the uncle of Oscar Grant, who was fatally shot by BART officer Johannes Meserly. I believe it was back in uh, near New Year's on 2009. Um it's one of the only cases where an officer was actually convicted of a crime in the death of a young black man. Uncle Bobby joins us on the phone from Ferguson, Missouri, and he is there to be part of the five-year anniversary commemoration of the killing of Michael Brown. Uncle Bobby, before we get a quick report on what's happening in Ferguson with the commemoration of the five years, um, we've been talking about what families and loved ones have done to honor their loved one's life. I know your sister Wanda has done a lot for the community with um, the Love Not Blood campaign and or the Oscar Grant Foundation. Tell us some of the things Wanda has been doing for the community in Oscar's name. There's scholarships, basketball, um, what she created there. Yes, uh, first, uh, Frank. Uh, thank you for having me here again on your show. And Hi, Uncle Bobby. Uh, hello, Denita. <laughs> and I definitely want to give a shout-out to the families that are there in the studio uh, with you tonight. Uh, of course, I wish I could have been there, but uh, we had made a commitment that we are continue to support Michael Brown here in Ferguson, and it's the five-year anniversary, of course, of the murder of his son. And so just being here has um, been an experience in itself you know, because it always reopens the wound of what happened to Oscar, but also helps us understand just how uh, devastating this this heinous act of police murder around this country can be. Um, so basically, one of the things that I know my sister Wanda has been doing with the Oscar Brown Foundation is uh, she has created AAU basketball teams that play in various tournaments, they sponsor tournaments, uh, and they compete in these tournaments, you know, and it's a, it's a tool that she used to continue to mentor to young men and young women or girls um, that play basketball in, this, uh, in, these, in these leagues. Uh, and so and she felt in her heart that this was something that Oscar loved and that she wanted to continue to carry on what he loved doing, and that was playing basketball and a sport in itself. 
Um, of course, uh, education being a very important aspect of her uh, desires that uh, she knew Oscar would want her to go, and so she had set up where she has scholarship programs through the Oscar Grant Foundation that she gives away every year to aspiring students that really, really want to go and continue their education. Uh, and it's been really uh, a successful, uh, really rewarding experience for many of the students to receive a scholarship in the name of Oscar Grant uh, so that they can further their education. And I think in many ways, uh, without it being said, it becomes an empowerment because of the significance of receiving that money from who Oscar was and what happened to him and the fact that, uh, you know, sadly, uh, that his name really resonates around this world when it comes to police murder. So these students really take that to heart. Um, but in addition to her, we created the Love Not Black campaign. And, of course, the Love Not Black campaign uh, continues to do the work surrounding um, the emotional um, aspect of what families go through when they lose a loved one. You know, how do we help families find um, their ability to heal through resistance? We coined this term called healing through resistance. And that is that we bring families together, we break bread together, and we first let families hopefully find that they're not alone in this. Because sometimes we get stuck in this slump, especially if we're not from Oakland or various cities that have activism going on that we all by ourselves, and so we feel defeated before we get started. But the empowerment of being able to embrace another family that has suffered the same pain is actually in an empowering tool because we learn from one another. We empower one another, and then we learn to speak in one voice. And various examples of that I'd like to share. Um, of course, um, for years we've been talking about police murder going on and there was no data ever taken that really identified the issue that police was that bad. And so we were able, in many respects, to get uh, a legislative committee to move to get AB 71 passed, which is a use of force data collection. So now we got legislation requiring the agency to report to the California Department of Justice just how much or how use of force is used, whether it's a shooting, a baton, a taser or a car, what have you, right? Uh, we got this data, and the data began to tell us that there is a real systemic problem, a cultural problem that's going on in these police and agencies, and that this is just outrageous, and we begin to need to do something about it. But we decided also to argue for AB 953, which is the Racial Identification Profiling Act, because what we have found is that a brother, a young man, brown, black, encountered with the police, what is his odds of buying that stop? And so, of course, what we found with the data concerning AB 953, the Racial Profiling Act, I can get pulled over for a bad taillight, depending on that officer and his perception can be determined the length of time or my odds of surviving that stop. Mm -hmm. And this is what we see all the time because there's always the officer's perception that I was doing something wrong and therefore warned him to pull his weapon and then kill me. So this data shows that the, the, the astronomical rate that black and brown people are being killed by the police from simple stops that weren't even really an investigative type stop. You know, it was a stop that they perpetrated on somebody of color and ended up killing them uh, and then used that idea that uh, well, we feared for our lives because it appeared that he was getting ready to do something. Then we went and found, too, that it was really important 
to work with legislation. I'm, I'm going to try not to be too long-winded, but it's, it's important we understand the background that, of course, we began to move forward on legislation concerning uh, the video camera recording because we knew many families suffered for years but not ever having the ability to know what happened, even though we know the recording takes place. So, of course, Assemblyman Ting over in San Francisco championed a bill, 748, called the audio video release within 45 days. And so that now, that's a, that's a significant piece of the healing process because now we know, instead of guessing, that my loved one didn't do something, or if they did, did it warrant for them to be killed. And so with families now being able to know that, it really helped. And then we also championed AB or SB 1421, which was really significant that, of course, Rich, Richard uh, Perez, the father of Petey Perez, can speak more about also. But that bill in itself, uh, which was championed by Senator Nancy Skinner, uh, gave us the right to know what kind of police officers basically in our, in our community. And it's based on four um, aspects. Whether if the officer was involved in the shooting, whether the person was killed or not, that's one and two. If he was killed, that's a different type of investigation. If he wasn't, it still requires an investigation. Why did he use his weapon? The other um, third one is we can now find out what officers have been involved in sexual crime and what was the result of the investigation concerning the sexual crime that was alleged that this officer was involved in. And then the last one is what... Um, investigative reports that these officers have falsified. So these are real critical aspects that determines um, uh, what kind of officers are in our neighborhood, and anyone can ask for these records. There's a public records request that you can make. You can get this information, and then we can utilize that as an empowerment tool to help hold what we just won this year, which is AB 392, which is... Um, California Act to Save Lives, which is a historic bill because today we have the, the most strictest use of force legislation in the nation. And, you know, of course, it's not just going to be something that's just going to simply allow officers to be held accountable, but we're going to have to make it work. And we got to use some of the tools that we have when it comes to AB 71, showing the data. Of course, AB 953, showing the racial profiling of the biases that exist, 1421, whether they've been involved in these crimes on a regular and consistent basis, and of course through the video that we now can see that they're required to release. So these are all tools that we can use today to help us. And so, um, Uncle Bobby, let me ask you real quick. Yeah. (laughs) Are um, all of those um, already law or are we still fighting for um, any of those? No. So seven. Uh, 71, AB 71 is law, AB 953 is law, AB 748 is law, SB 1421 is law, and AB 953 is a law now, but it won't become officially a law until January 1st, but we do the signing uh, coming up real soon. I think we're actually, well, the sign, I, I'm not going to talk about the date of the signing, but the governor is going to sign the bill which means it becomes law officially on January 1st, 2020. Well, thank you for that information, Uncle Bobby. Um, why don't you give us a quick update what's going on in Ferguson marking the commemorating the five years of the, the murder of Michael Brown. What have they got planned out there? Yeah, so one of the big things that happened today was 
the press conference concerning um, the request that the family wants to make that they reopen this case with all the new evidence that has came forth showing that Michael Brown Jr. was murdered. Um, of course, just the fact that they had a, a museum that was set up that showed the history of the uprising that took place in Ferguson and the humanity aspect of who Michael was when he was not just a baby, but as an adult too, growing up, graduating from high school. I mean, this museum was just, it's just awesome the way they, um, I have to say my wife laid it out and it really takes you on a tour of um, Ferguson, just puts you right there. Uh, virtual reality in a sense, I use that word. Um, you know, and so, of course, being a part of the event this evening where they had panel discussions, they had various activists from across the country uh, talking about the very issue of police terrorism. Some family members was on this panel. And, uh, of course, one of the main topics in addition to police was uh, reparations. Um, tomorrow will be something similar where we have more panel discussions. Uh, uh, I'm, my, myself definitely will be sitting on one of the panels. Um, discussing, of course, police terror and where are we at today. You know, what has changed, if anything has changed? And from my perspective, I will express and lay down the ideas of what I see today of where we at and what has occurred and what has changed. Um, you know, so it's a lot going on. We went down, of course, down to Kingfield where uh, Michael was murdered at. And of course, all the mementos and um, you know, all the love was there, the people was out, you know, and just remembering young Mike, you know, as we remember our loved ones that was killed, you know. And so anytime we experience that with other families, of course, it takes us back in time to our tragic event. But it also empowers us because we know that it's not just Oscar, it's not just Kenneth Hardy or Petey Perez, you know, we could go on with the names. We know that it's so many others, and how do we, as a family, come together and bring us systemic change? I think right before I close, I do want to say this. Something happened today that was huge, and that is Representative Ro Connor announced uh, today uh, with a press conference, and I'll just read it. Representative Ro Connor announced the Federal Peace Act this morning during a press conference. The Peace Act would change the federal standard of the use of force by federal officers to require that force be used only when necessary to prevent imminent death or seriously bodily injury. The bill prohibits the use of lethal force unless such force is necessary and proportional to effectuate an arrest and only after exhausting reasonable alternative. So and, that, that and changes it. Sorry, Uncle right. Bobby. This is, a national le this is a national federal legislation that we're all going to have to get behind because it, it, it sits on top of AB 392, what we just passed. Mm -hmm. And they recognize that it's being such a huge piece of legislation that now we're talking about creating a federal piece of legislation that the whole United States will have to adhere to. Mm -hmm. And, and so we got some work in front of us, and we're going to make it a reality. And that'll move it from um, just for them being in fear of their lives into 
having to actually um, have a real reason to use deadly force. Uncle Bobby, um, we really appreciate you um, calling in for us. We'll get another update from you when you return from Ferguson. So um, be safe out there. Thanks for joining us. Um, You're welcome to stay on the line and listen if you want. Maybe we can get you back at the end of the show. Otherwise, um, we'll let you go, but we'll keep you there if you wish. But we're going to move on and talk to uh, Sandra and Rick. And um, again, Uncle Bobby, thanks for joining us tonight. We appreciate you um, answering the call whenever we put it out for you. Oh, you're welcome. And I'll, I'll probably just go ahead and listen on. And then, um, you know, whenever you end, I'll just end with you. Okay, yeah, we'll bring you back then in a few minutes, and we'll get a closing um, statement okay. from you. Thanks, Uncle Bobby. Thanks, Thanks Uncle, Uncle Bobby. Bobby. All right. Oh, love you all. All right. Hang in. Love you too. Hang in there, Uncle Bobby. We'll be right back to you. And um, let's move on to Rick and Sandra and um, actually myself here and a handful of other people. Um, We've been working on issues locally in Contra Costa County. Rick, tell us about um, what you got the Richmond City Council to sign on to um, involving independent investigations. Um, Yeah. First off, I'd like to thank uh, Uncle Bobby. He's uh, a mentor of mine. He really has fought so hard to struggle. And um, anyway, yeah, in um, Richmond, um, I attend every city council meeting. Some of them are fruitful, some of them aren't. But um, we uh, also attend uh, the Community Police Review Commission. And in doing so, we got... uh, the city council to mandate that uh, the Community Police Review Commission investigates any um, police shooting and or uh, uh, bodily injury to a person every time. So if a gun's used, yeah. a taser's used, or a severe beating happens, there's a, automatically a third-party independent investigation. In our case, um, we were supposed to submit a... Um, complaint within 45 days we didn't even know the police review commission existed for 90 days and then um, the mayor tried to deny us uh, the complaint but uh, we're talking about homicide here so therefore um, we were able to get it pushed through with the help of the other city council members Um, so anyway yeah we um, we also now are um, pushing um, uh, Sandra here to um, get the Pittsburgh City Council to do the same exact thing, and we're doing it also in um, uh, also in Vallejo. We're doing the same, and also um, coming to with Antioch. Willie McCoy coming to Antioch, and, and also uh, with um, Angel Ramos and um, um, Don L. Foster, I believe his name is, mm-hmm. and also uh, Ron L. Foster, and then uh, we have uh, Augie Gonzalez and Hayward. We're pushing for the same uh, thing at Hayward to get uh, a Citizens Police Review Commission and investigation, independent investigations. I should say that uh, the police commission did uh, rule in our favor that excessive use of force was used, and and they were just all horrified at all the stuff they saw and the way that cop acted. Some of them even knew him personally because they did ride-alongs with him and said he had a, a Rambo attitude, you know. So um, it was well known that he was um, a bad uh, apple in the forest. Um, I also had uh, good cops come up to me and tell me how uh, he was um, he was recommended for non-hire from day one. Uh, 
He got the job because of nepotism. As uh, one of his in-laws was a detective, I believe. And also, he was sent back to the academy three different times. And then they dismissed him off the force with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, permanent disability, only police or fire department officers can get. Um, he's getting paid um, $70,700 a year, uh, full benefits, tax-free. And so that's how they rewarded him. But... Even, like I say, the deceitful way they dismissed him off the force because they knew he was a bad apple. So I, um, you know, there's never no winners here, at least not for our families. Maybe in the future there will be winners that uh, just, this won't happen to. But um, when I talk to the police, I tell them there is no uh, statute of limitations on homicide, whether you call it involuntary manslaughter or murder one. And, ooh, the look they give me on their face when I say that. So um, that's why um, we're all continue to try to get um, criminal charges against these officers because um, it's just horrible that what they've done to us. I do not take joy in... Um, bad mouth in these police but um, all I'm trying to do is restore integrity in them so we can can look up to them like we're supposed to be able to because they'll look out and stick up for their own even when they know they're wrong and they'll help them hide the, um, the truth and let's move on to Sandra because like Rick said we're pursuing this in Pittsburgh so um, like what have you been doing I know we went to a city council meeting the other day what's your hopes in getting this independent investigation into Pittsburgh I'm trying to um, continue protesting for my son and um, like I said I went to see Diane Becker and she looked at the uh, video with me you know but it was like nuts a lot you know and um, but I have in my heart that I'm going to get somewhere as long as I keep protesting for my child and the way they murdered him. It really hurts, but I'm going to stay strong. I'm going to stay strong and stick in here, hang in here, because the end going to be great. And we're going to um, be there with you, and I know you're out my way in Pittsburgh, and we're meeting on a monthly basis, and we're going to be um, at the council meetings with you and Rick and um, Nika, you're welcome to come join us now. You, you know where we're at. Well, we're going to um, just scrap our music break for a second and continue our conversation here because I want to use this last 10 minutes to get kind of an update on um, where we're at. These um, were the voices. That last voice you just heard was Sandra Talbert. Um, on her left is Danica Chapman. And over here on my right is Rick Perez. Um, thank you all for sharing again. And earlier we heard from Uncle Bobby, who's still on the line. Um, hang in there, Uncle Bobby. We're just coming uh, back here. Um, as we get ready to wrap up, I just want to give you all a chance to get in some last words, get out some contact information so we can keep up on current actions and activities. Let's uh, move around the room. Uncle Bobby will come to you last. Uh, let's go around the room. Remind us about any upcoming events, um, any last words you have, and some contact information, social media, um, however you'd like to share. And just a reminder that I'm going to post all these links on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, kpfaapprentice.org. So, Rick, um, anything coming up, or what are you up to now, and how can people follow? Um, well, f- September 14th um, is coming up. Uh, we've been having a vigil in front of the liquor store where my son was uh, murdered uh, every year. And um, everybody's welcome. It's in um, 
3233 Cutting Boulevard, uh, the corner of Cutting and Carlson, uh, right where the railroad tracks are. And um, everybody's welcome. And um, yeah, we got we get a lot of locals there uh, that turn out, and every one of them has a horror story to tell me about the, the what the police have done to them. And um, what's a, a place where they could track that information? Is there the PD Facebook or what do you got? I believe, yeah, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to computers. I, think, I, I got but, it down. Uh, I think it's uh, but, Justice for PD, correct? Yeah, uh, um, on Facebook. And we got that linked on our page. Justiceforpd.com as well. Uh, my mom might get mad, my son's grandmother, but uh, Patricia L. Perez on Facebook. She's a firecracker, and she really loved my son, had a, had a very close relationship with him. So she's um, always wanted to talk about him. So that, that also works. Thank you, um, Rick. Sandra, um, what's going on? I know we're doing monthly actions. Um, we're trying to do monthly actions. Mm-hmm. Where would you like people to follow your information? I would like people to follow my vid- my YouTube video, Terry Amons Jr., and just go to YouTube and type it in, and you can see what the police done to my son. And then um, we can keep you up to date on actions around Terry's case in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. by going to Justice for Terry Amons Jr. on Facebook and also the Oscar Grant Committee, which is separate from Uncle Bobby's Oscar Grant Foundation. Both of those links will be on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. And you could, um, if you're into it, into supporting the family, you can come out to Pittsburgh if you're out that way and see the actions and be part of the action at the Pittsburgh City Council. And um, Denica, how about you? How can people follow you? You got the food drive coming up. Tell us briefly again the the stuff you have coming up and how people can stay on top of it. Well, I like to do things to honor Kenny and building his legacy. We just uh, had his eighth anniversary on July 16th. On August 5th, we just celebrated his life. He would have been 28 years old. He was taken from us at the age of 19. So... um, we have the community feed, which on Facebook, you have um, Kenneth Harding Jr. regular community feed page, and that will keep you posted basically with what we have going on within the community. Um, we have justice for Kenneth Wade Harding, which is his justice page, which we generally keep updated so everybody can know what's going on um, within Kenneth Harding's case, which it's not a case. It's about us moving forward and us being servants unto the community who witnessed this horror, but no one ever came back to see about them. And that's why we fight for them. So on August 18th, my 12-year-old daughter is having a clothing drive for the children going back to school, and that's going to be at Kenny's Plaza on 3rd and Oakdale in Bayview-Hunters Point on that same day, which is the third Sunday. We're also having our community feed, and on the third Sunday of every month, right there at the same spot on Kenny's Plaza on 3rd and Oakdale, we will be having... Our monthly community feed, which is strictly community supported, and we'll also be getting ready for our annual 
Community Coat Drive, which is sponsored by One Warm Coat, which we generally have every December. So a lot of community movement. I'm getting ready to start over at the university on the 20th, but it won't distract from my commitment to the community. And Uncle Bobby, I know, um, is getting ready to tell you about an action that Love Not Blood has, uh, a campaign, I'm sorry, that Love Not Blood has coming up. And we're all getting ready to travel down to Las Vegas um, at the end of September to participate in there. And so the fight continues. Uncle Bobby, you still with us? Um, you got about a minute here to give us an update on the uh, latest activities and where to keep on top of it. Um, yeah, quickly. Thank you, Frank. Uh, thank you, Danica. Yes. Um, so Love Not Blood campaign is sponsoring uh, a Families United for Justice conference, which will be happening, of course, January 26th through the 29th in Las Vegas at the Doolittle Community Center, which is right there in the, uh, the community where the community can be a part of this um, event. Um, that's happening. Um, you could definitely go to the website uh, instead of me trying to explain. You can go to the website FU4J Network. That's FU4J Network dot org, and on the menu bar you'll see Conference 2019. You can also go to uh, www dot Love Not Blood Campaign dot org. Again, www Love not blood campaign.org and you can see the work that we've been doing and the other events that we have coming up all right uncle bobby and it's really important really really quick it's really important that families that haven't um registered that they register so that we can definitely make contact with them to make sure that we can some kind of way help support them to get them to las vegas to be a part of this conference because this is really the beginning of the healing process when we all come together all right, Uncle Bobby, we'll link that on our, our page. Thank you all for being here tonight. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, we had uh, Danica Chapman, Sandra Talbert, Rick Perez, and on the phone, um, everyone knows as Uncle Bobby. Thank you all again, and a big shout-out to our executive producer, Miss M. Uh, myself, Ewan Franklin, is the technical director. Joy Moore is our production consultant. Our board op over there is the one and only Stevie G. Tune in tonight at 10 to hear him on the history of funk. And we got Radio Shack as our technical assistant. Thank you very much. And thank you all for being here tonight with me um, and sharing that information. Stay tuned now because coming up next, I see the La Onda crew in the building. La Onda Bajita is next. Thank you for having us, Franklin. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.